Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to Australia on this day. I'm Michael Adams, and today we're going back to Saturday, the 20th of July, 1940. That was the day that Gordon Olive, a lad from Queensland, set himself on the path to becoming one of the Battle of Britain's Spitfire Aces. Charles Gordon Olive was born in Brisbane on the 3rd of July 1916. He went to Brisbane Grammar where he was a good student as well as being athletic and artistic. In late 1935, after a brief stint at Queensland University, Gordon, along with 1,000 other hopefuls from all over Australia, applied to be an RAAF cadet pilot at Point Cook in Victoria. He was one of just 43 selected, and from January to December 1936, Gordon and his fellow cadets were trained in all aspects of military aviation. This included navigation, the theory of flight, engine mechanics, ballistics and armaments, and fighter and bomber tactics and strategy. Of course, being a cadet at Point Cook also meant learning how to fly. Gordon and his mates took to the skies in biplanes, carrying out hair-raising high-altitude formation flying in thick cloud, and even more hair-raising, dive-bombing and ground-strafing practice. Carrying out such death-defying moves in old biplanes was incredibly dangerous. Three months into the course, Cadet Norman Chaplin of Victoria was killed when his plane's wings folded up during one of these dives and his aircraft smashed into the ground. Another 10 cadets would drop out or fail to pass the course, but Gordon was one of 32 who graduated in December 1936, and he was one of 25 accepted for a short service commission with the Royal Air Force in England. Joining the RAF in early 1937, Gordon served briefly with the number 2 Flying Training School before being posted to 65 Squadron. By July 1939, he'd been promoted to acting flight lieutenant and the 65 Squadron had converted to Spitfires. Just three days after war broke out with Germany on the 3rd of September 1939, 65 Squadron was scrambled from their Hornchurch airfield in Essex for the first time after a report that 12 enemy planes were incoming. Gordon and his squad intercepted and were attacked by another squadron of Spitfires in a snafu that could have been a friendly fire disaster, but fortunately resulted in no casualties. It wasn't until mid-May 1940 that Gordon and the squadron saw their first offensive action against the Germans when some of his fellow Spitfire pilots attacked a Junkers 88 while they were flying a Channel patrol mission. Pretty much from that point on, Gordon's war was full on, and full on in terms of what was expected of him and other Spitfire pilots. They flew support missions, two hours in the air, two on the ground, for 20 hours a day, day after day. Their job? 
to protect British and Allied troops retreating to the English Channel as the Nazi war machine blitzkrieged through France and the Low Countries. Over the European countryside and the coastal cities of Dunkirk and Calais, aerial dust-ups with the Luftwaffe were frequent. Contrary to what many war movies would have us believe, these dogfights didn't always result in clear-cut kills. And nor were they often long engagements. As Gordon Olive would later describe it, one moment the sky would be clear, the next it'd be filled with enemy fighters, and then it'd be clear again. Nevertheless, on the 26th of May, Gordon had probably taken out a Messerschmitt 109 fighter and the following day had another probable kill of a Dornier 17 bomber. On the third day of this run, the 28th of May, another ME-109 took a hammering from Gordon's Spitfire's cannons, though again, this wasn't a confirmed kill. But on that day, it looked like Gordon would be chalked up as a confirmed kill for a German pilot. In a scene that'll be familiar to anyone who's seen Christopher Nolan's film Dunkirk, he was flying through black smoke from burning oil tanks. Getting beneath these thick clouds, he could see 300,000 men trapped on the beaches below. Gordon was despondent because he knew their only hopes of survival were whatever small measure of protection he and other Spitfire pilots could offer, and evacuation by the flotilla of small boats ferrying them a few at a time home to England. Then, out ahead, Gordon and his two wingmen saw three dozen dots. German ME-109s closing fast. Gordon and his mates took immediate evasive action and each tangled with a dozen Luftwaffe warplanes. Gordon was blasting at them and being blasted. An explosion in the Spitfire peppered one of his legs with shrapnel and filled his boot with blood. Far worse was the fact that the cockpit floor was sloshing with petrol from a ruptured fuel tank. A single spark and he'd be in the hereafter. Gordon was probably about to be there anyway because his bullet-punctured Spitfire had no gun or tail control. Nevertheless, he pulled off breakneck moves to escape German pilots trying to finish him off. Gordon managed to fly his nearly crippled Spitfire to an airfield in Manston on the East Kent coast where, out of petrol, he crash-landed and lived to tell the tale. Not that anyone knew that at first because 65 Squadron had moved from Hornchurch and... In the mix-up, Gordon was reported missing for several days, this bad news even reaching his family back in Brisbane. When everything was sorted out, Gordon's survival seemed like even more of a miracle. There was another miracle a week later when Dunkirk was successfully evacuated. Shortly after this, Gordon, enjoying some R&R, married an English girl named Helen Thomas. Gordon was soon back in the fray, and for him, the RAF and England, the worst was yet to come. Nazi invasion now looked imminent. Paris had fallen, and French airfields were under German control. That meant the Luftwaffe could mount massive short-range air attacks across the Channel to soften up the British before the landings began. Gordon's number 65 squadron was now based at Manston in East Kent, where he'd crash-landed. As the most easterly airfield in the country, it was just 25 miles from Luftwaffe bases in and around Calais. Messerschmitt 109s taking off from there and hitting their top speed of 400 miles an hour could be across the channel in four or five minutes. 
If they were even detected as incoming by radar, Gordon and other pilots had just a minute or two to get airborne and avoid being shot up with their Spitfires on the ground. This was Gordon Olive's daily routine when the Battle of Britain began on the 10th of July 1940. Thanks to its easterly airbase, 65 Squadron would be first into the air to intercept, and Gordon and his mates were sometimes outnumbered 20 to 1. During these deadly days, he got accustomed to seeing friends die or landing to learn that a mate hadn't come back. Then, on this day, 80 years ago, Gordon Olive evened up the score just a little. He and two wingmen were patrolling the channel when they were called to investigate action over Dover. There, they saw an ME-109 on the tail of a hurricane. Shooting its tail off, though, the RAF pilot managed to bail out safely. The Luftwaffe pilot raced for France at 400 miles an hour, apparently unaware that Gordon Olive was giving chase, followed by his wingmen. The ME-109 was low over the channel's waters, Gordon Spitfire on its tail. As he remembered it, quote, The coast of France was getting very close when his wings filled the gunsight rangefinder and I opened fire. Pieces large and small came off him and flashed back dangerously close, but he made no move to escape or turn. The wings rocked from side to side very rapidly for a second or two as my 16 seconds of ammunition ran out. In disgust, I broke away and immediately realised that I was within inches of the water. In his determination to get a confirmed kill, Gordon had nearly killed himself, and this was a fate that would befall many other Spitfire pilots. Gordon returned to Manston Airfield, disappointed because he thought another German had escaped to fight another day. But getting out of his Spitfire, he saw his wingmen's excited faces. They told him that after he'd broken away, the ME-109 had knifed into the water and been destroyed. Flight Lieutenant Gordon Olive had his first confirmed kill in the Battle of Britain. During this relentless period of flying and combat, Gordon had another close call when an oxygen regulator exploded in his Spitfire cockpit and he had to bail out over the English countryside. First problem? his parachute was wrapped around his legs. Frantically, Gordon freed himself in time to avoid being smashed into the ground. Floating down in one piece, he was confronted by a nervy home guardsman who nearly shot him because he thought the Australian pilot was a German airman. That sorted, Gordon got into an ambulance that had arrived to take him back to base, only this vehicle then crashed. He was picked up by a following fire engine, which, yep, crashed and rolled. Having used up five lives that day, he took no further chances and walked back to base. A month into the Battle of Britain, the Manston airfield felt the full force of the Luftwaffe. On the 12th of August, it was subjected to a massive bombing and strafing raid carried out by hundreds of German planes. And in the next 12 days, it'd be attacked over 200 times. Gordon recalled one such instance, quote, we were lined up ready for takeoff when the Jerrys came in behind us, diving to the attack. Our only chance lay in getting into the air quickly. Once in the air, we turned and stung the Raiders. Plenty. On one of these missions, Gordon took out two ME-109s and had another probable kill, though such victories were bittersweet because pilot losses were mounting and every time survivors landed, Manston had been clobbered again. 
Over the next two weeks, Gordon got another three probable kills before his fourth confirmed on the 26th of August. He would share credit for destroying another German plane before his final confirmed kill, a Messerschmitt 110, on the 9th of December. Gordon's morale-boosting description of the Spitfire's destructive power was printed in the Adelaide Chronicle just a week after this final kill. Quote, I was pursuing a Messerschmitt at about 450 miles an hour, not heeding tracer shells from its rear gunner's twin cannons flashing at me like whiskered tennis balls. I withheld my fire until I was 300 yards from the enemy, the Spitfire's perfect firing distance. My first burst bagged the Messerschmitt's rear gunner and probably also put the pilot out of action. This allowed me to test the Spitfire's capacity for damage when not distracted by the usual need for vigilance. The result was fantastic. My second burst blew up the Messerschmitt's port engine and the third set the starboard engine on fire. Then I gave the fuselage a 9 second burst. The twin tail broke off and the metal sheeting flew off like a card pack flung from a train window. While the planes were diving at 500 miles an hour, I continued to pump in bullets. These exploded the Messerschmitt's petrol tank and the rear half of the fuselage blew off. The remainder of the Messerschmitt heeled over and fell vertically into the sea from 12,000 feet, blazing like a comet. Gordon Olive was a Spitfire pilot who expected no mercy from the enemy and was willing to give none in return. And thanks to the skill of pilots like him, England prevailed in the Battle of Britain. As Winston Churchill so famously put it, Never in the field of human conflict was so much owed by so many to so few. Those few had actually been close to breaking point by early September, but their two months of defiance led Adolf Hitler into making the tactical error that was the Blitz. This mistake saw him shift the Luftwaffe's fury to civilian targets, giving the shattered RAF a chance to regroup and rebuild. While it did so, in mid-September 1940, Gordon Olive was awarded the Distinguished Flying Cross. Brisbane's Telegraph newspaper reported proudly that the British Air Ministry's cable detailed his service over France and Britain and that he'd notched up five kills. The DFC citation included this, quote, His fearlessness and cool courage were a splendid example to others, contributing largely to their successes against greatly superior numbers. These specific details of her son's service were news to Gordon's mother, who told Brisbane's Telegraph, quote, I know my son is carrying out dangerous work, but I would not have him anywhere else. Naturally, we are proud of the honour conferred on him, but he is only doing his share, along with other Australians, in fighting the Nazis. After the Battle of Britain, Gordon would go on to command the 456RAAF Night Squadron and be promoted to the rank of Acting Wing Commander. But sickness saw him return to Australia in March 1942 with his wife Helen. Back home, under very unpopular and very ill-considered government policy, Gordon was forced to relinquish his RAF rank. Nevertheless, he continued to serve with the RAAF command, becoming a wing commander again in 1944 and commanding Air Defence Headquarters at Moratai at the end of the war in the Pacific. Sadly, Gordon's wife died in 1946. He would marry his second wife, Beryl, in 1948, and they'd go on to have four children. Over the next four decades, Gordon had a rich and rewarding life. 
He had a successful career with Borrell and Ream, though his hopes for a conservative career in federal politics were thwarted at the ballot box. Even so, Gordon served the Queensland community as chairman of the Commonwealth Youth Council and as chairman of Brisbane's Metropolitan Fire Brigade. For such work, he was recognised with an MBE in 1967 and a CBE in 1978. Gordon Olive died on the 20th of October 1987 at the age of 71. He was survived by his wife and children. His other legacy was a manuscript about his early life and war experiences. Edited by Dennis Newton, this was published in 2015 under the title Spitfire Ace, and this book is illustrated with Gordon's own remarkable paintings that depict in colour the pilot's point of view during the many aerial battles that he fought. Spitfire Ace is a great read and highly recommended. As brave and skilled as Gordon Olive was, he also had a lot of luck on his side. Of the 30 Australian pilots who flew for the RAF as members of Churchill's few during the Battle of Britain, 14 were killed in action. Of those 30, only four would become aces, which was measured by five confirmed kills. The others were Flight Lieutenant Pat Hughes, Flight Lieutenant Stuart Walsh and Flight Officer Richard Glyde. And of these men, only Gordon Olive survived the war. I'm Michael Adams and you've been listening to Australia on This Day. Make sure you're subscribed to get every episode as soon as it's released. If you've enjoyed the show, I'd love it if you could leave a review and rating at iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're after more tales from our fascinating history, check out my other show, Forgotten Australia. This podcast was produced in the Blue Mountains of New South Wales on land traditionally owned by the Darug and Gundungurra people. Thanks for listening and catch you tomorrow. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.